Hey, what's up, guys? This is Dion Brown, and you are listening to Man versus Brand. So, we all love a good story, right? Stories typically involve a protagonist who goes through some journey. Now, that journey may be an actual physical journey, like going to save the princess from a dragon, uh, or it can be a mental journey like growing up. There are so many ways in which we have told stories that they intrigue us on a very intimate, deep level. It's really why we love podcasting, right? Because at its best, podcasting really is story exchange and or storytelling. It's about people telling about their history, talking about uh, their future, analyzing some occurrence that has happened in the world that they think is worth investigating. And I love a good story, not only as an author, but also as someone who just appreciates the art. So what do we do when we find ourselves at our own journey? Do we then tell that story? Do we figure out the Aesop fable thing to get from that and share that with others? Or do we in fact keep it to ourselves? I don't know. I think that there are stories that are worth telling that are never told. Maybe because the person isn't ready, maybe because it's not the right time. I feel like there are stories that seem like they're not worth telling, but maybe it's because I or you, we're not the audience. We're not the people that's intended for that specific tale. Well, I'm going to have a conversation today with Brian Livingston, who has his own story to tell. He undertook a journey, and in that journey, he discovered some sense of himself. Maybe. I'll let him tell that to you. <laughs> and... Uh, and in that journey, he discovered more journeys, the journey of becoming an author, the journey of speaking the truth of his story, the journey of becoming a business owner. There are so, in fact, so many journeys that we can undertake that if we decided to, there would be book on book on book on book on book of this. So let's talk about one specific. One specific story that Brian wrote about a journey that he undertook in the mountains. I have my Bass Pro Shops hat on because I am feeling my nature self in this moment. This is Man Versus Brand. You're going to hear from Brian Livingston. We're going to start the episode in five, four, three, two, one. One of the greatest philosophers of our time once said that when it's up, then it's stuck. Find out how to make your next big idea stick with Dion Brown and his podcast. With 20 years of experience in growing and managing businesses and brands at the highest level, Dion is having the conversations that you are looking for. Welcome and have a great time. Hey, Brian, what's going on? Why don't you introduce yourself to the audience? All right. Hello, my name is Brian Livingston. I'm currently in Charleston, South Carolina. I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm here to discuss my debut novel, uh, The Habits of Squirrels, and uh, the writing process that has taken me sort of out of my uh, law profession and into this new world and onto this journey. All right. So um, what got you from Atlanta to Charleston? Uh, it's a, a pretty winding road. Um, yeah, I moved from Atlanta when I was 18 to go to Clemson University, uh, graduated from there in 2012, uh, sort of took a year, a gap year to sort of uh, spend some time abroad and do some traveling and uh, eventually ended up hiking the Appalachian Trail. Um, three weeks after completing the Appalachian Trail, I started law school at Washington and Lee University in Lexington, Virginia. And then uh, graduated from there, met my wife, got my, uh, my black lab and uh, practiced law in South Carolina uh, in the upstate for four or five years. And then down here in Charleston for about 18 months before sort of pulling the ripcord and uh, try, 
deciding to spend some time focusing on the novel and uh, getting the getting the word out. All right, so you are a tried and true Southern guy. Oh yeah, um, I've you know, lived in, lived in the major states. My wife's from Louisiana. I got everything covered. All right, cool. Yeah. I definitely want to come to your house for dinner. I imagine it's going to be good. Um, so talk <laughs> to me, man. Like um, when you decided to hike the Appalachian trails, did you know what you're going to get yourself into? Did you know what the journey really was going to be about? No. I mean, the, the, the quick answer is no. Um, you know, I, my brother-in-law, who's a little bit older than me, had done it before me. So I'd talked to him about it and talked about his adventure and got sort of advice for what to do. But it's such a it's such an odd thing. And the people you meet out there are so unique and the weather is always different and the trail is always sort of changing. And everybody's experience out there is so unique that, um, I mean, I just had no idea what I was in for. And I'm not sure that if you told me the full grunt of what I was in for right there at the beginning that I would have been able to, to stomach it and take that first step. Got it. So how long was the trail that you undertook? Um, in 2013, the Appalachian trail was 2,185.9 miles. It changes a little bit every year as they make adjustments, but um, 144 nights on the trail, 2,185.9 miles. Wait a minute, wait a minute. How, how many days? <laughs> 144 days, yeah. 144 days. <laughs> um, yeah, man, that is definitely story worthy, man. That's, 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 um, that's intense. Now, uh, how many people are, are also on this trail with you at any given point? Maybe you can use a statistic that you know, or possibly just your own kind of um, observation of those who are around you. Maybe not those who are ahead of you and those who are behind you, but how many people are you experiencing on this trail at any given moment? So out of those 144 nights, I spent six alone. Okay. So um, there's people with you most of the way. You can, you can adjust that depending on what sort of hike you're looking for. I found people that I liked hiking with and liked camping with. So I you know, made an effort to spend most nights with them. Uh, it's it's more crowded than you may initially believe. I think it's gotten more crowded since 2013. I mean, I think I started March 12th, which is sort of in the meat of when people start their through hikes. And that first night, I think there are 60 or 70 tents with me there. And Got then it. from there, it thins out as people quit and as people disperse. Got it. Uh, are there any natural predators like are we aware of things that are in the the Appalachian Mountains that you need to sort of be concerned about uh I mean there's you know there's rattlesnakes and copperheads which you got to be aware of um you know black bears I don't know if you'd call them a predator but you don't want to be sleeping next to your food you don't want to be sleeping next to an open jar um, uh, of peanut butter or something like that so it's uh yeah if you follow some good guidelines and sort of keep your head down. You can, you can dodge most of the, uh, the natural or the animal worries. Okay. And uh, speaking of food, you talked about open peanut butter. Um, what is the replenishment of food look like on a 144 day journey <laughs> in the mountains? It's um, you're, you're pretty much eat like a five-year-old is what I say. Like a lot of ramen, a lot of, you know, some people do a lot of candy, a lot of like peanut butter tortillas and dried fruit, uh, pop tarts. Um, and then like every four or five days, you can usually work your way into a town of, you know, some level that at least has a gas station. And then, you know, the things I just listed, you can usually find at a gas station. So usually, usually carrying like four to five days worth of food and then, uh, you know, getting all that good sugar and processed kind of crap that you need to keep going. Uh, so what was the spectrum of your physical health um, during this journey? Like, what did you come in, you know, sort of on the on the fit side or the heavy side? And did you leave on a fitter side or on like more of a uh, an emaciated malnutrition side? Like, <laughs> where did you how did you enter into these 144 days and how did you exit physically? So I did it at a pretty good time to do it. You know, I was 23 when I started. 
and turn 24 on the trail. Um, yeah, I was, I played, I can't asterisk this enough club lacrosse in college. So, you know, I'd, I'd been moving. I was in moderately good shape. Uh, when you hike, it's, it takes a weird toll on your body. Um, any sort of upper body strength or muscle that I had accumulated over the years, just sort of hourglass down to my legs. Um, I lost a lot of weight for a while and then my legs started building. So I just sort of reshaped, um, yeah, ended up in pretty good, pretty good shape. Uh, you know, a lot of aches and pains along the way, your body has to adjust to hiking that far and carrying that much weight. But, uh, I mean, I, I dodged any major injury or any sort of the concerns that can crop up when you just do the same thing every day. And what about mentally? So how did you enter mentally and how did you exit? Um, mentally, I think I was, I was pretty ready for something like the Appalachian trail. Cause it's good for wiping the slate clean and sort of getting, getting your mind right to go back and sort of face the world. Um, you know, you have, when you're out there, you have sort of weird days cause you spend a lot of time with your thoughts. So you can get really worked up over, uh, you know, small stuff or stuff that you remember, even, you know, stuff, just petty little stuff. And then, um, you know, once you start seeing the end and start realizing that, you know, beds and not walking every day and air conditioning and no mosquitoes are in your future, you start to really get ready to sort of be done with it and get back to a, a more logical way of life. Got it. So, um, funny. So I played lacrosse. Great. Um, I was a center midi. Okay. Um, and uh, attack. And so, um, yeah, man, I, I, uh, I could not imagine, um, the amount of endurance that it takes, right. Because in, in those, yeah. in that way you're used to sort of sprinting and running sort of back and forth and yeah, you kind of get into some, um, some tussles and some thinking and there's some strategy involved, but this, what, what you're describing sounds like an endurance game. Like I'd almost rather be a long distance runner. I used to see those guys in college and yeah. I was sort of like, I don't even know how you guys do it, but that sort of long, long range determination, um, they have it. Um, folks who wrote crew, I think have it, um, that, that sort of sense of, um, you know, just having a long-term goal in mind and just yeah. pushing through to that end, regardless of the redundancy. So, man, hats off to you for for undertaking that journey. Either hats off to you or, man, you were crazy. All right? One of the two. Like, <laughs> hats off to you or, man, you were crazy. One of those I, I, think, I think both are true. I think both fit. Yeah. It's all about being able to hit sort of that meditative state when you're just doing something that kind of feels like it has no end and just sort of like, all right, we're doing this. I'm going to blank out for a while. Got it. So, so give me the timeline again. So you became an attorney before or after you did the trail. After the trail. Yeah. I started law school um, like two and a half, three weeks after I finished the trail and then um, became an attorney in 2016 and practiced up until uh, March or April of this year. Got it. So, so did you come out of the trail with this kind of a, epiphany of what you wanted to do in life, at least at that moment, or had you come into hiking the trail knowing that you were going to go to law school? Like how did those, cause that's a, a pretty small window after having <laughs> done such um, an intense life activity, right? Yeah. That, you know, I would imagine um, either it was sort of this sporadic kind of epiphany level decision, or you knew it and you figured, let me do this trail as kind of, you know, uh, a way of, of entering into the next portion of my life. So which one of those were, was it, or was it both? So it's a, it's something I've given a lot of thought to like how life would have gone. Cause I was already law school was already set when I set foot on the Appalachian trail, you know, I was already in. I'd already you know, sort of set the course, knew where I was living. And like, so I, I wonder what would have become of me had I gone into the trail with no set plans afterwards, um, you know, whether I'd gone in there and, you know, like I said, cleared my head and then come back into the real world and sort of charted my path. 
where I may have ended up because you, you meet a lot of unique people out on the trail and a lot of people sort of leading their life in an unconventional, you know, on their own terms. And, uh, but yeah, no, it was, it was set. It was not a law school was set. It was not a thing that I, you know, came up with on the trail. Got it. So did you pick up any skill sets while you were out there that you didn't have? Like, did you learn how to play the harmonica? Did you learn how to cook using, you know, half a shoebox? and you know a tuna can like what did you pick up any survivalist skills while you were on the trail that you didn't have uh prior to uh undertaking this um you get you get a lot better at making fires um either just by watching people do it or doing it every night um yeah it's not uh, there's not a lot of survivalist skills that sort of necessary you know you have like a camping stove and you're sleeping in a tent and you're like you're eating food that you've purchased um, I am, and this is, you know, it's a very unique skill that doesn't help a lot of people, but it plays a role in my life. I'm very good at camping and planning camping trips, just sort of when people say what we're going, I'm very good at immediately, like, okay, the weather's going to be such and such. Here are the logistics we have to worry about. Here's the food we have to bring, which is, you know, almost a useless skill, but no, it is man, that's <laughs> it's a very hard. useful skill, yeah. right? Like, and, and, and you're saying that you got that skill because of the 144 days. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's, you know, you break that up into four or five day increments and it's, um, I'm not gonna be able to like 25, 30, four or five day camping trips. So you just, you get a, you rattle off just the things, you know, you're going to need become very implanted in your brain, even nine years later. Uh, did you become faster at building a tent. I am in fact horrible at tent building. Um, I, I, it seems like every time I try to go camping, I have to relearn the same thing <laughs> over again. Um, it is not in fact audience like riding a bike for me. I, I might actually be tent dyslexic. So uh, for you, did you find yourself uh, being able to do some of those repetitive skills that you had to do um, you know, on a nightly basis, on a daily basis, that you just became more efficient, more proficient at getting those things done. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, whenever my wife and I go camping, um, you know, I'm always setting up the tent. She asks if I want her to help. And then, no, no, just let me do it. And then uh, you get pretty good at camping on doing the, the camp stove. We have a, a denatured alcohol stove and you get very good at camping, uh, cooking on that, just sort of learning the quirks of that. And uh, um, yeah, all the repetitive stuff, just even just laying out sleeping pads and sleeping bags and getting everything set. Um, you get a, a very good process for making that work. Now, the Internet, like I, uh, has a very short memory, right? We have very short memories, both I and the Internet. So I don't really remember where YouTube and social media was in 2013, um, I imagine it was still a bit fledgling. It's definitely not this kind of ad-driven, um, you know, create your own content. Now, I don't even know if phones were really at the point where recording was the, the way that it was now and if cell towers were plentiful on the trail. So was there opportunity for you, aside from this book, um, to create content uh, around this journey that you took? Uh, it was definitely more limited. I think I hiked with one of the early iPhones and, you know, it would die pretty quick and it very rarely had service. People that I hiked with did do, uh, I guess you'd call it vlogging on some level, but they can't, they brought a separate camera and a tripod. And I think between the three of them, they were all carrying stuff. And then they had very different town stays than the rest of us as they tried to find good Wi-Fi or good you even just wired connection and upload their content. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Because, you know, now it's like if you did 122 days, you'd come out with sponsors. Oh yeah. Out, you know what I mean? You'd come out with people sending you cash apps to support you on the journey. Right? Yeah. It's a very different process now and, and not necessarily better or worse. I would imagine just different yep. um, in, in the way that, that you experience it. So you came out of this with a book. Yep. Now, how long did it take for you um, after ending, uh, doing your last day on the trail to actually write the book? Uh, I think it was about four years. I, I finished the trail 2013. Um, I always sort of had an idea that I might write a book 
about my experiences. Um, there's a lot of memoirs out about the Appalachian Trail and similar hiking things that range from, you know, excellent to maybe should have never seen the light of day. Um, but, uh, you know, I've, I always had a mind to write fiction even before the trail. And um, yeah, maybe 2017, 2018, um, you know, I had moved in with my wife yet. I was living alone with my dog sort of in a rural at part of South Carolina. And I just started getting home from work and having the time and started just sort of poking around and seeing, um, you know, if what I was typing turned into, turned into a story. Now, was this based on journals that you had written while you were there? Like where, where were you pulling this, this information from? Yeah. So, uh, when I was hiking, I, I kept a pretty sporadic blog because I, like I said, I hiked with an iPhone, but I could not blog from that iPhone. So when I would get into town, I'd find a library or a computer and just sort of let, you know, essentially just my family know what was going on and what I had encountered. And so when I went back to write the book and the, you know, the book's fiction uh, takes place on a fictional trail and it's a fictional guy. Um, you know, it's not about me or anybody I met. Um, but I still wanted those experiences from my trail experience to, um, to highlight and sort of inform the book and make it feel real. So I, I went back through that blog and, you know, what, what I, what I wrote either inspire me to move it in or sometimes I would, you know, copy and paste and then adjust and then rework it to make it work sort of in the flow of the narrative. All right. So without spoilers, give us the setup for the book. So yeah. who's the guy, where's he at in his life? Why has he decided to undertake this journey? And, um, you know, just give me a couple of highlights of what he's going to experience while he's out there. Yeah. So the book's called uh, The Habits of Squirrels. It follows the, uh, the journeys of Gabe Jenkins. He is a retired, a recently retired mailman from a, a small fictional southern town who, uh, who sets off to hike the, the Great Eastern Trail. Sort of, um, he sort of sees it on the news one night or see, you know, comes across a clip of it and just sort of starts it on a, what you might call a whim. And uh, he sort of, without even knowing it, sort of uses it to sort of assess how he feels about his career, how he feels about how his fam familial relationships, he has sort of an estranged relationship with his son. And uh, yeah, just as he hikes, he sort of learns, hopefully, to get out of that routine of being a, a mailman and you know, what he's done with his life and you know, hopefully clear the slate open himself to some new experiences as he meets um, really the highlights of the book are the, the landscapes of the, of the great Eastern trail. And then the sort of unique characters that he meets, be it the people who live on the trail or the people who are hiking with him. So is it, so I don't, I don't watch, I, or I don't watch, I don't, I don't read very much uh, trail based hiking based fiction right yeah so, I'm, I'm not sure how much there is out there so. yeah like so I, I don't really have anything to to compare it to um is this um is this first person yep it's written from his uh from his perspective okay um and uh as he's moving um through the trail is it are there um as many physical things to overcome as there are mental and emotional what you're describing sounds very mental and emotional but i imagine that the trail itself plays some role um yeah in this, this yeah journey also yeah um yeah definitely try and have the uh, the physical challenges sort of highlight the emotional challenges and inform them that you know that interplay back and forth is really where the story takes place but you know, he encounters a lot of snow a lot of cold temperatures uh his, he has a learning curve because he's not an experienced hiker so you know just as he and then he's also just sort of generally not a confident man so as he learns more about his abilities um by over you know ideally overcoming these challenges you know he kind of settles into a new role in life all right we're gonna we're gonna ask for an exclusive right now does he in fact fight a black bear he does ah he does ah, yeah okay all right i'm actually kind of interested right now yeah <laughs> i feel like that has, that has changed the trajectory of my interest like <laughs> up. 
That's awesome. Yeah. Man. That's Maybe awesome. I should leave with that hook. Yeah, you should absolutely. Leave. He does fight a black bear. Mailman joins trail, fights black bear, discovers himself. <laughs> That's that is some selling points, man. Yeah. How could you not be interested? <laughs> How could you not? How could you not? All right. So um. So when you decided to um write this uh you said it was just primarily you and your dog right yep so uh how long did it take and how informed were the people in your life that you were taking time to commit yourself to authorship oh it it took um probably two years i think before there was a draft a finished draft on some level that had a beginning a middle and an end um during those two years um it was just me and my wife that knew that this was happening and i guess my dog but he wasn't telling anybody and um then you know one day i went and i printed out four copies at a staples and had them sort of spiral bound and i shipped those to um you know my two sisters and my parents and then uh, just sort of got initial reaction to see whether this was a thing that was worth pursuing or whether I just dumped a lot of time into something. And uh, that reaction was positive. So I went back and got an editor, uh, sort of reworked the ending into something that was a little more, uh, we'll say professional that really from a narrative sense made more sense. And then, um, from there sort of kept reworking it until we have sort of the present paperback bound um, with a graphic designer edited final copy. And are you self-publishing this or did you go to publishing? Uh, I, I pushed pretty hard to get a, a publisher. It's a, it's a tough process. And uh, yeah, I, I did end up self-publishing. Okay, cool. No, yeah. listen, I think, you know, it, it's, it's fascinating because I feel like folks who, who publish, with a publisher first, um, find the self-publishing process to be fascinating. People who yeah. self-publish first, uh, on some level, have some autonomy in their process, and then find the publishing process to be a little bit more restrictive, right? Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> it's, so however you enter this, you're definitely going to come out of it with sort of an alternate feeling. Yeah, always just sort of peeking over the fence at the uh, the other grass, right? But um, yeah. Um, I'm fairly certain that had I gotten a publisher through some process that my story of, uh, of a retired mailman going through for a long walk probably would have been reworked into something a little more marketable. Yeah. Um, how did colloquialism play into how you wrote the character? Meaning like, um, did you go with a Southern voice in this? And did you turn that up? Did you turn that down? Um, because, you know, in, in certain works, depending on where the person is from, it then starts to color, especially in first person, how they're communicating uh, to the reader. So yeah. is, is it, can you just hear the Southerness in the person? Not really so much because you wanted it to kind of be applicable. How, what's the voice like for this person? I think definitely his diction and sort of his rhetoric it's and just the way he responds to situations is very Southern. Um, you know, in terms of like really leaning into it, you know, like um, you know, Faulkner and some of those uh, like Elmer Leonard might do and really leaning into that. Uh, I tried to tone it down a little bit from that. But then, you know, as he encounters people who would be from different parts of the country, I do try and, um, you know, have the people speak use different words, use different cadences, use different just general rhetoric as they're from different parts of the countries or you know, have different backgrounds, different levels of education and just different ages. Cool. So, so there was, you, 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 you were intentional around the voice of this character. Yeah. Yeah. Extremely. Cool. Cool. Um, all right. So your wife, right? So you tell her, well, what's the conversation when you move from law to I'm going to go out this on my own? Like, what's that conversation? Were you just like, honey, I think 
um, you know, I'm ready to move? Or is that something that you guys were talking about? And, you know, you kind of, you finally pulled the trigger or pulled the ripcord and, you know, that was kind of your date to do it. Like, was it, was it something that was just like a one-time conversation or were you, did you know and ahead of time that, that this was going to be an eventuality for you? It was definitely several conversations over, over a course of time. Um, you know, I was, there was some layers to it because I was very unhappy being a lawyer and then being a lawyer also takes up a great deal of time. So if you're going to start really promoting a book and doing it right, which I wanted to do right, um, you know, it's just, it's really just not possible if you're going to be a full-time um, attorney in a, in a law firm. And I mean, there's exceptions to that, you know, depending where you are and what, you know, what everybody's about. But, you know, I wanted to do it right. And then I wanted to be happy. And then I did not want a job that I didn't like to be the reason that I didn't do it right and didn't take a full swing at this. So, you know, um, yeah, I, I left that job and I pushed very hard on the book and, um, you know, I'm still pushing hard, but, uh, you know, applying for other jobs and just working on sort of a career transition and not putting all, all the eggs into that basket. So it's, what's, I think, uh, fascinating about authorship these days, right. Is that folks sort of take their book and then create a, a course or a workshop from the book, whether it's how to be an author or how to tell your story or, or, you know, um, five things that I learned on the trail and, and, you know, I'm going to teach a workshop on that. So have you been able to monetize the book aside, or have you thought about monetizing the book outside of the transaction of selling the book? Yeah. So I'm, I'm building my own personal brand. Um, you know, doing stuff like this. I'm on, I'm in, I'm on Instagram as a uh, Brian Livingston books. And I'm always trying to share, you know, whatever adventures I've gone on and then just sort of the adventure of publishing a novel, um, you know, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and just trying to be out there. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, people out there kind of doing what I'm doing in terms of just sharing their content about being an outdoor writer and then just an outdoor enthusiast. And I'm just trying to add my own spin to it and then just add sort of you know, other things that are going on in my life, whether it be like an, uh, you know, enjoying cooking, enjoying travel, enjoying music and just, uh, uh, yeah, build my brand and see, uh, see if that strikes on anything. Got it. So what's next in terms of authorship for you, man? Are you planning to write another book? Is this a one in a series? Like what's, what's next? So yeah, right now, The Habits of Squirrels is a, a standalone in terms of its own series. I'm always writing. I wake up every day and write um, on the days that I'm honest. And, uh, you know, be it whether what I'm writing turns into a short story or whether it kind of lingers on and we explore some other things and whether I start to enjoy the characters and it turns into a novel, um, you know, sort of to be determined at this point. You know, I have a lot of sort of standalone short stories and then a lot of stories that are short stories that work and then some weird ramblings where I just sort of explored a theme for a while. So uh, I'm definitely writing. It's just a matter of where it goes. Because unless that black bear is shown to be dead, you know, in any piece of literature, if it's not explicitly shown, it can always come back for a sequel. Maybe oh, yeah. the black bear comes back to the house and just, you know, wants his revenge or a Terminator you know, style. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> um, so cool. So, so have you thought about um, a project that feels like it might blossom into, into a, a full work? Yeah. Um, uh, started something in the past couple of weeks that I've really enjoyed writing and sort of connected with the characters and enjoyed, um, you know, I spent four years with Gabe Jenkins and the other people that he hikes with the other characters and I, you know, they became sort of weirdly close with these fictional people. And um, so it's a big investment. You want to make sure that they're people that maybe you don't have to like, but people that you want to spend more time with. Yep. And uh, it's starting to feel like that for what I'm writing right now. It's like family. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like my own little family. And it, it is, especially as um, the Habits of Squirrels has gone out into the world and gotten a positive response. It's a, it's a really unique and wonderful feeling to have people connect with these characters that yeah, I've spent so much time getting to know. 
And what platforms are uh, is the book on? So where, 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 where can folks get it? If I want to get it right now, where can I go to get this book? Um, you can get it through IndieBound.org, um, which is sort of a conglomeration of independent bookstores. Um, you can get it um, if you're in the South. There's probably a dozen bookstores around the South that are um, currently holding it. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it on Barnes and Noble. You can get it on my website, brianlivingstonbooks.com. Uh, you can drive over and knock on my door and I'll hand you a copy. Uh, and then it's available paperback and ebook. Uh, and, and if someone was to knock on your door, would that copy then in fact be signed or not? Yep. If you order it through the website or if you have any contact with me in any way, uh, that copy will be signed. And then uh, I should take a moment to say I'm doing a, a book tour in October. And I'll okay. be in Mar Marion, Virginia, Lexington, Virginia, Winchester, Virginia, and then Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, if you come see me in any of those locations, I will, uh, I'll be happy to sign a book for you. Awesome. And, and will this information go up on your website or is it already yep. it's It's on the website. Um, and then it's on all my social media threads. That's awesome, man. That's yeah. awesome. All right. So, so you have this book, you're touring this book. Um, what's the reception? What are folks saying when they read it? Like, what do you, what are the reviews? What are you hearing? You know, what are folks saying? What are they writing to you? What's the reception to this thing? So I mean, you can take this uh, with a grain of salt, just considering you know, who's who the early readers are, but overwhelmingly positive. And then um, a big moment for me was I, I sent a copy to the former chairman or director of the uh, Appalachian Trail Conservancy, which is the sort of head honcho organization overlooking the Appalachian Trail. And uh, he gave it a positive review and said that it kept, I think his words was captured the essence of a through hike. And that he, you know, he felt with the characters. And uh, so that was a big moment. That was a big sort of, uh, well, what's the word? Uh, Non-involved, independent review for me from, you know, something approaching a, or no, not even approaching, just a, a, a an official, a knowledgeable person in the, uh, in the, in the business. All right. Do you have that splash all over your website and social media? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Say that's like that's, that's gold right <laughs> that, there. That was a big get for me, and I, yeah. I recognized it as such. Yeah. Um. So I, I wanna I want you for a second uh, to go back to when you were on the trail. That's been some time, right? But yep. Back to when you've been on the trail. Like, when's the time when you thought, man, I don't know if I have more of this in me. And what did you have to tell yourself or what did someone on the trail have to tell you in order for you to move out of that space? So imagine 144 days, all of it couldn't have been, you know, I can't wait for tomorrow, right? So what's a moment where you're just like, I don't know if I'm going to do this. And then what got you out of that, that mindset? So the, the toughest moments for me, um, it was sort of strange. It, what, what ends up getting you was in Connecticut, which was, you know, 14 or 1500 miles into the trail. Um, it got really hot and the mosquitoes came out and it was just nonstop mosquitoes, 24 hours a day. And um, the, the hiking's unsexy. You're not going like up and down mountains. You're sort of just maneuvering hills and just getting tagged by mosquitoes all the time. You have to sort of cook inside your tent with just your hands poking out. To, to maneuver the stove because you're getting tagged so bad and there's just no escaping the heat and for whatever reason beyond that like a lot of people got hurt around that time a lot of people that you spent a lot of time with had started quitting just either getting injured or just like you know maybe the heat got to them and the mosquitoes and that was a time where me and the guy that I was hiking with that had hiked together for about 500 miles at that point but we sort of sat down we managed to get inside somewhere and we looked at each other. What are we doing here? And we've been out here for a long way. We've hiked a lot, a long time. We have another month. There's no indication that the next month won't be like this. Like, what are, what is this about? Why are we doing this to ourselves? And, um, you know, luckily I had a sister who lived in Albany, New York at that time. And she was able to take us in for a day. And like we showered, you know, put ointment on our mosquito bites and just like chilled out, watched a movie, enjoyed some air conditioning. 
And then when we got back out on the trail, I think we still had a couple bad days, but it was better. And we were able to sort of recharge. And then I have a, a memory of uh, being in Maine about a week from the end. And for whatever reason, just having a bad day and having sort of a breakdown on a rock and like sitting down and almost crying and just calling my dad. And I didn't, I don't think I told him that I was planning on quitting, but just called him and talked to him and just sort of relaxed and got out of my own head and then got up and was able to continue walking. Listen, I think if, if nothing else, that speaks to the power of having a strong support system, right? Like, oh, yeah. Just to get you through, whether it's a found person that's on the trail or um, if it's family or friends, like just having people that you can reach out to so that this thing isn't a solitary journey, though you're doing it on your own, right? Like, you know, for all intents and purposes, um, doesn't mean that you have to be alone while you do it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, All right. So, so you're speaking about whether what's the like let's say i'm listening right now and i'm like i want to do that <laughs> like right like i'm thinking i want to do that i'm just like this really sounds like a great use of my time you know i'm um you know i'm furloughed right now i'm looking for a journey this might be something to do what's like what what is what are the optimal month spans that you might want to attempt this because i imagine all things are not in fact equal. And so maybe certain months are probably likely to be a better experience than others. Yep. And um, so I did it from March to August and I just, I started at Springer mountain in Georgia and I walked, you know, relatively a straight line to Mount Katahdin in Maine. Um, People are getting pretty wise and starting to do it in a smart way where they they'll do maybe quarters or halves of it. And they'll just start in different spots when that portion of the country is getting its best weather and they'll hike that portion. Um, start me. I, I thought there was some sort of romance and just walking a straight line for a really long time. Uh, I got the first four days were great. Like uh, I was in Georgia in March and the weather, you know, low 70s. Uh, then I got into the Smokies and there's a couple feet of snow on the ground. It's still falling. And then uh, beyond after that, it was really cold for a long time. And then after that, you know, besides the aforementioned heat, um, everything was pretty great. You're sort of walking with spring up the East Coast, which is delightful. Um, but the through hike is not the best way to catch any portion of the country at its best time. So it's like doing what people are doing now where they'll do, you know, quarters or halves of it and make sure that they're seeing you know tennessee in june when everything's blooming is uh is probably the best way to do it if you're gonna try and you know work the weather that's like a hikeation it's yeah. like you're you're vacationing during your hike oh yeah and you know talking to that, those people that when so, I was- that sounds so like like contemporary hiking cool versus like i'm really gonna do this for the journey like the whole walking the whole thing from like start to finish just seems like it's more um it seems more cathartic it seems more um primal it seems more journey driven now i'm not saying that anyone who does an alternate version of it um isn't the right version because you know whatever is best for you is best for you. Yeah. Um, but hiking when it's the best part of the trail, just, yeah, it seems like a hikeation. I don't know if that's like a new word, but um, if it <laughs> is trademark copyright. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah man. That's, that's, that sounds like. Yeah. I mean, the, the saying is hike your own hike. And like you said, you know, however you want to do it, you do it for me. I'm with you. There's the, the simplicity and sort of just like the broken down to its simple elements of just, I'm going to start here. I'm going to walk there. No planes or anything in the middle. That's what I'm going to do. Um, that held a lot of uh, a lot of power for me. And that's you know what I ultimately ended up doing. So did you get any good advice from any folks that you were um, hiking with, whether the advice was related to the hike or just related to life? Is there anything that really stuck out? uh during your conversations with these these folks that you know are are moving from being strangers to fast friends or family eventually like are are there some there's some things that you remember them saying that you were just like ah 
that's that's really useful um a lot of people sort of led by example you know i i was i grew up in the suburbs i went to college i led a very conventional childhood and then you get to the trail and you meet these wild characters that are perfectly happy doing these extremely unconventional things and then um you know this is sort of on the other end of the spectrum and he sort of laid the foundation for gabe jenkins the the protagonist in the habits of squirrels um you know i, I had a really bad day in the smokies when it was under a couple inches of snow a couple of feet of snow and uh, my shoes were falling apart and my feet hurt and it was cold and i didn't know really whether i was on a thing that i needed to be doing and i just was miserable and i came into the shelter where people were staying and there was an older gentleman just sort of standing uh looking out into the wilderness and smiling and i got to the, the shelter and i got my stuff situated and i started talking to him he was just so happy to be out there and he was a retired mailman and he was um you know just talking about how grateful he was for the opportunity that he had had the appalachian trail on his sort of bucket list on his list for a long time and um you know just everybody was there was so miserable except him so i just remember sort of like saddling up next to him and sort of just letting him sort of rub off on me just like okay i need to i need to appreciate this i need to realize what what it is we're doing how big this is and how great all of it is and it's all part of the journey um so he did start sort of as the the source for gabe jenkins uh gabe jenkins is not as chipper as this man was but uh you know it uh it definitely played basis um chipper right you said sounds like a person that you know you only really appreciate things like that when you have experienced the absence of things like that right yeah. when things like that are always at your fingertips you don't really appreciate them oh um, yeah and so that's an awesome story so so have you hiked other trails in the country um let's see i've I've attempted a couple. Um, the year after I threw hiked, a group of Appalachian Trail through hikers, we got together a sort of a reunion thing. And the plan was to do the rest of the long trail in Vermont. Uh, the long trail and the Appalachian Trail coincide for a while, and then they branch off. So we we're going to do the last thing like 160 miles of the long trail. It ended up defeating us. But uh, I've hiked that. And then um, I've poked around on a couple other trails. Um, I can't say that I've through hiked any of them, but I've hiked in, you know, Colorado, Washington, the Upper Peninsula, Michigan, and then a lot of you know around the South where it's easier for me to get to, and then yeah, done the Inca Trail in Peru, and uh, the Six Foot Trek in Australia. Okay, all right. So you've done a few. Yeah. So if 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 I am listening right now and I'm like, man, I wanna. I want to jump on one of these trails. I just kind of want it to be cool. I want it to be fun. I want it to be beautiful. What's your, what's your three? Give me three. doesn't have to be in order, right? But give me three trails that I might want to consider. Um, the Foothills Trail in the mountains of South Carolina is gorgeous. It is, I think, 70 or 80 miles. So it's doable in four or five days. It's a very good sort of beginner hike and just good hike. Um, I would recommend that one. That's I've never through hiked it, but I think I've cumulatively hiked the entire thing. Uh, it goes through Jocassi Gorges. It passes by Lake Kiwi, and it's genuinely gorgeous and fun and a neat part of the country. Um, the Long Trail, the aforementioned Long Trail in Vermont, is gorgeous and um, a nice part of the country. And sort of you get more backwoodsy, and then you get into those really cool Vermont mountain towns in a nice time of the year, presumably. And then it and, will defeat you. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I'm not as I'm not as well versed in the trails out west, but uh, my wife and I just did two nights on the, I think it's the North Country Trail, which parallels Lake Superior on the Upper Peninsula in Michigan. And that seemed like a dream. And I would like to go back there and do the rest of it. I'm not entirely sure how long it is, but uh, Lake Superior was far more beautiful than I would have uh, just sort of pictured. Got it. Got it. Uh, so you now have this book. You're now going to tour this book. Um, you're excited about it. 
have have you inspired folks in your life to write more? Like, has anyone come to you and been like, man, you wrote a book. Like, that's awesome. Like, I think I want to write a book. Yeah. Uh, people have said that to me, uh, a couple of my closer friends, um, and then sort of like my friend's parents have been like, oh, I've always wanted to write a novel. And, you know, the only response I can have is like, yeah, yeah. like the, the hardest part is sitting down and doing it. It's definitely not a, an easy task, but it's, it's an enjoyable one and it's a worthwhile one. Um, I don't know that anybody's actually put pen to paper or fingertip to keyboard yet, but uh, it does seem like it's sort of struck a chord with people that they, you know, they've wanted to do a similar thing. Got it. Um, last question. And then we're going to go into um, the two questions I ask everyone on, on man versus brand. And then I want you to just one more time, share how folks can get in touch with you and engaged with the books. Right. So how did you come up with the name, the habit of squirrels? Where did that come from? <laughs> you gotta so, uh, squirrels uh, play a pretty substantial role in the plot and just driving the plot forward. Uh, one of Gabe Jenkins initial encounters on the trail is with a squirrel. And uh, that sort of sets the tone for how he, you know, is going to interpret the trail and how he's going to interact with everything. And then uh, I struggled with the title for a long time. I didn't have a title, I think, until I was just about done with the book. And uh, I was using a, a style guide to go along to sort of tell me how I was supposed to you know, do different grammatical things. And it had a, a little segment where I think it said, like, you don't use possessives when you're talking about like a, a species way of doing things. And it used the phrase, like, you wouldn't say a squirrel's habits, you'd say the habits of squirrels. And that was the thing where I looked at that. There we have it. We have that, that is the title. And it, it hit right there. And I knew it. And awesome. uh, so that's how I got the title. Got it. Um, so, Brian, I'm going to ask you two things that I ask everyone that has graced their microphone for Man versus Rant. First question is, on any streaming platform, what's one thing that you've recently watched that you have thoroughly enjoyed? Um, my, my first instinct is to say Stranger Things, but I, I'm sure that's been said before, or people just already know about it. We watched uh, Under the Banner of Heaven on Hulu, and we really enjoyed that. I think it, it deviates from the book in pretty fundamental uh, structural ways. But uh, we really enjoyed that and that style of storytelling. Nice, man. All right, cool. Um, under the banner of heaven. So the second question is, is if I was to poll family, friends, people that you know, right? What's something that you thoroughly enjoy that they may not actually think that you enjoy? Like what's something that you watch or, you know, a series, a movie? What, what's something that you really, really like that may not be obvious? to the folks around you? Oh, man. Um, that's a good question. I don't, I don't think a lot of my friends and family really realize what a, what a nerd I am and how much I do. Um, when I was, when you're hiking the Appalachian Trail, you get a, uh, a trail name, and my trail name was Mr. Frodo, which would lend itself to the, the belief that I was a big Lord of the Rings fan. Yep. And I, I, I very much am. And, but uh, that, you know, that extends to, to Star Wars, um, even a bit to the Marvel movies and then uh, Game of Thrones and all that. I don't think the people that are also into that um, know that about me because I don't, you know, I don't discuss it as much with people who aren't interested in it, which sort of makes sense. Yeah, no, that, that makes absolute sense, man. Um, are you excited for the uh what is it netflix adaptation the the prequel for lord of the rings oh i think that's uh amazon prime yeah maybe for, amazon prime. for uh for those kind of things it's what i did with the, uh, like all the shows that have come out on disney plus in the star wars universe i usually let somebody else sort of toe the water and Got tell it. me whether it's good or whether it's something to be avoided. Um, I'm excited. I love going back into that universe, and I hope it's really good. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'll let someone else feel the fire if it's bad, and I'll just pretend it doesn't exist. Yeah, listen, I, I was I watched um, 
an interview with the actress that's playing Galadriel um, in the new series and how she was looking at Kate Blanchett's performance and not looking sort of informed some choices that she made. And so I think it's cool that, you know, that there is this lore to pull from and also some established film work to pull from, but then you're ultimately telling this brand new story and, and, you know, you either honor the stuff that has come before or it, you know, or it serves as other prequel, um, for other franchises that didn't quite sit well with the fandom, not as well as the executives would have liked. So we'll, we'll, I think that's, I think that it's going to be very, very interesting, like you said, to see, you know, kind of how that thing goes and what the, the reviews are. Um, Not just like the trade type reviews, but like just regular people, like what they're feeling. Um, It's like prey. Like they didn't think prey would do well. As a, in the Predator franchise, and people are like, "This is what Predator should have been," for 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 all of it. People are calling it, I think, number number two in terms of you know in, in a lot of rankings of just fans. They're saying that it's probably the number two under Predator, um, you know, and and so and they they sent that directly to Hulu. So you know, yeah. you never know what's going to stick, man. You never know what's going to be that thing that's really going to kill. Yeah, I haven't watched Prey, but I think I might watch it, you know, tonight. Um, yeah, man. No, I, I've heard. I've, I've heard, heard it was things about great. Prey. Yeah, yeah, I heard some crazy things about Prey, man. And uh, and I'm excited. I'm actually going to check it out over the weekend. I'm going to pull out some time so I can yeah. just focus on it. All right, speaking cool, man. Of, yeah. What? That was a, speaking uh, of things in which a uh, somebody fights a black bear. Absolutely, I was good. Based I was on the trailer, that out, but I was like, you yeah. know what? We're gonna we're gonna leave that. We're not gonna make any. <laughs> Uh, I had to dive uh, back fictional, in. Yeah. A fictional works, right? Like, cause yeah. I, I don't know which 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 bear battle is gonna win, um, in terms of uh, <laughs> description. All right, cool. So, so why don't you let folks know how they can engage in in your content and what you're doing in um, this book tour that you're undertaking and in in learning more about you as an author and learning more about your life and kind of what you're doing. Uh, how can folks engage? Like, what are those handles uh, for social media? What's that website? Absolutely. I'm most active on Instagram. Uh, it is Brian Livingston Books. I'm also on Facebook at Author Brian Livingston. And I'm on Twitter at uh, Livingston Books. Uh, you can contact me through my website, brianlivingstonbooks.com. Or, yeah, come see me on my book tour. I'll be in Marion, Virginia on October 7th, Lexington, Virginia on october 19th winchester virginia on october 22nd and then louisville you'll have two chances october 28th and october 29th at the louisville book festival louisville i'm saying that right right yeah so say it like the locals say it yeah yeah you louisville. Say louisville, right yeah um man this you know listen i'm i'm um impressed man like for you to self-publish that was like some media training right there you got your dates in, you hit oh, your yeah. points. Yeah, man, you worked that thing. You worked that if, thing. if I can brag, five months ago, I think I did not have any social media. So this is all new to me. Yeah. Uh, I'm learning on the fly. So I'm glad to hear some good feedback. Absolutely. Listen, I, I, anyone that can do 144 days on the trail, <laughs> man, can learn about TikTok. I promise you. It's it. <laughs> I promise you it's going to work out for you. Yeah. I swear. All right, Slow man. Yeah, man, slow and steady always wins the race. Uh, so I want to thank you for uh, coming on the podcast. I hope you enjoyed your experience. Guys, if you're listening right now, I want you to stop. I want you to go to Brian Livingston's social media profiles. Go follow it. Uh, go engage in his material. Uh, definitely hit the website up. Purchase a book. Um, check it out, man. Like I said at the opening of this episode, um, stories in, of journeys uh, they're fascinating. And um, there's so much that we can learn in understanding another person's adventure, another person's journey, another person's uh, cycle of growth. So if you're interested in fiction, if you like a good story, if fighting a black bear sounds like something that you would thoroughly enjoy reading, then please, please check out the habit of squirrels. This 
is Dion Brown. That was Brian Livingston. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and had fun with it. Check out a trail if you're interested in hiking it. I may or may not come along with you. Uh, it'll depend on if Brian gives me uh, the necessities that I'll need to make that four or five day journey based on the weather and, um, and conditions in that space. Uh, I hope you guys again enjoyed this episode. I'll talk to you soon. We're out. Bye, guys. If this talk just resonated with you or could help someone you know, follow Dion or his guest on all social media platforms. Till next time. And remember, with any business or brand, give it to your heart, make it real, or else forget about it. See you all soon.